Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, and you're listening to the CFI Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Experience certainly doesn't make us immune to accidents now, does it? We've been learning that uh, all throughout this series. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com. You are listening to the CFI Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast, uh, brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. A, a bit of a longer podcast today as we dive deeper into American Airlines 965, which further shows the point, the same premise that's rang through in all of these accidents in the 7700 series we've been sharing. 7700, of course, the emergency transponder squat code, the name of this series here, uh, concluding at least the pre-recorded portions with American 965. Quick little reminder, by the way, Sun and Fun is upon us. It is here the 31st through the 5th next week. Uh, I will be there in Hangar D, Hangar Delta at the M0A.com booth. Steve-O will be joining us on that Saturday at 12 p.m. from 12 to 1. Hope you'll join us there. Hangar D, Hangar Delta. Tomorrow, obviously if you're catching this on the first day it comes out, tomorrow, March 26th at 3 p.m., I hope you will join us live on the M0A.com YouTube and Facebook pages as we dive into the JFK Jr accident analysis and sharing just a little bit more about our research that went into that. Today we're talking about American Airlines Flight 965, a flight that departs Miami International Airport inbound for Cali, Colombia. This is a little bit of a longer podcast, so uh, I am going to dive right into it and continue to set up the story as we go through. So Cali, Cali, Colombia, is located on the western side of Colombia in a valley surrounded by mountains easily exceeding 14,000 feet on either side. Cali had no radar and relied on position reports from pilots, so the typical approach was to fly the prescribed approach that took the pilots past the airport and gave them a procedure turn back around for landing. This is the approach the pilots loaded into the FMS and expected. Shortly into their descent, the controller asked if they would like to accept a straight-in for runway 19 to save time, since they were already so delayed on their flight. This was right around Christmas time. There are a lot of delays coming out of Miami. This flight's already delayed, and approach is simply just trying to get them in there sooner. Callie approached, says, 965, Callie? 965, go ahead, please. Sir, the wind is calm. Are you able to approach runway 19-er? Captain says, uh, would you like to shoot the 1-9 straight in? Talking to the first officer. First officer says, uh, yeah, we'll have to scramble to get down, but we can do it. Captain on the radio says, uh, yes, sir. We'll need a lower altitude right away, though. Cali approach says, Roger. American 965 is cleared to the VOR DME approach on a 1-9-er. Rozo, number one, arrival. Report to Lua, VOR. Captain on the radio. Cleared the VOR DME to 1-9. Rozo, one, arrival. We'll report the VOR. Thank you, sir. Report uh, Tolua, VOR. Sorry, report Tolua, the captain says. Captain now talking to his first officer. I've got to give you Tolua, first of all. You want to go right to Cali or uh, Tolua? First officer says, uh, I thought he said the Rozo 1 arrival. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. I'll, I'll pull that up now, the captain said. Now, you can see just this 
Again, all of this is talking about crew, resource management, how well we work together in the cockpit. And that's, you're going to see that uh, shine uh, or lack of it shine through here. So despite being slightly high to accept a straight in, the crew figured they could make it work. They accepted the straight in landing for 1-9, smoothly brought the throttles back and deployed the speed brakes to expedite their descent down from 17,000 feet. The controller asked American 965 to report to Lua, which the crew acknowledged. With the co-pilot flying, the captain began to look for the approach plate for runway 19er, all while clearing their pre previous approach out of the FMS. Remember, they were all set up for their previous approach, so they had to clear the FMS and get this whole new system set up in there. The captain assumed that since he was asked to report to Lua, that it must lay ahead of him. However, remember, Cali doesn't have a radar. So he was told to report to Lua. He assumed it lay ahead of him, yet every time he loaded Tolua into the FMS, it reported behind them. Finally, situational awareness snuck in and they realized they had long since passed Tolua. And the captain attempted to load the next fix into the FMS, another ground beacon called Rozo. Now, Rozo was identified on the captain's chart as simply the letter R which he put into the FMS and pressed enter. However, because of complexities of the FMS and confusion over duplicate R's, imagine that, the identifier is just the letter R. There are multiple letter R's in the database, just single letter R's. So the captain mistakenly loaded Romeo, which is a fix, a waypoint, 100 miles to the east in Bogota. The autopilot then made an aggressive turn to proceed in that direction. There they were, now flying exactly 90 degrees off course through a valley with 14,000 foot peaks at night. To make matters worse, the descent continues. First officer, okay, we're cleared down to five now. Captain, that's right. End off uh, Rosa, which I'll tune here. Captain, you see what I get? First officer, yeah, I, I imagine he's programming the FMS. It keeps taking him over to this Romeo intersection. And he's going, you see what I get? It's take, trying to take us to Bogota. Captain, at 21 miles, at 5,000, uh, that's part of the approach, okay? I've heard and done a lot of approach briefings in my day. At 21 miles, at 5,000, that's part of the approach, okay? Isn't exactly a thorough uh, approach briefing. Can you see we're following beh falling behind the airplane? The captain says then, off uh, ULQ. So let me put ULQ in here, 177, because I want to be, I want to be on raw data here with you. Cali Approach says, uh, American 965, distance now. Uh, what do you want, sir? Distance, your DME. Oh, uh, okay, distance from uh, Cali is uh, 38. First officer then goes, where are we? Cali Approach, roger. First officer, we're going out to, Captain cuts him off, says, let's go right to Tolua first off, okay? Yeah, where are we heading, says the first officer. 17.7 ULQ, uh, I don't know, what is this ULQ? What, what, what happened here? The alarming question is, what is this ULQ? ULQ is the identifier for Tolua. It's clear now, to me, we can see situational awareness eroding along with CRM. Let me ask you a question. Let's pause here for a second. Have we been creating a chain of events that you can identify? I want you to watch for a truth I find in nearly every accident I've researched. The longer the chain gets, the harder it is to break. Said another way, and more specifically to this accident, the further you fall behind the airplane, 
the more and more difficult it is to catch up. In the case of American 965, the descent continued below 13,000 feet and below the highest peaks in the area. Captain, let's uh, come to the right a little bit. First officer, yeah, he's wanting to know where we're heading. He's still talking about that previous radio, radio call about uh, Cali Approach asking, what, where are you at? Where are you going? Uh, UL, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a direct Tolua, says the captain. Okay. Right now, says the captain. Okay, you got it, says the captain. First officer, simply, just okay. Captain says, and uh, it's on your map. It should be. Yeah, it's a left turn. Left turn, says the first officer. With this, the aircraft rolls from a left turn to a right turn as the altitude passes 13,600 feet. The heading has reached 100 degrees before the direction of the turn was reversed. Yeah, I've got to get that expletive, though I... You can hear the navigation receiver in the background as he's talking, VC in Morse code. Um, okay, I'm getting it. 17.7, it just doesn't look right on mine. I don't know why. Navigation receiver, now you hear the sound of ULQ in Morse code. Left turn, says the first officer. So you want a left turn back around. I'm sorry, a left turn back around to ULQ. The first officer realizes this is back behind us. It's a big left turn all the way back around to ULQ. With this now, the aircraft rolls from a right turn to a left turn at six degrees left bank. The aircraft rolled into a right turn again, bank angle 20 degrees. Nah, says the captain, let's, let's press on to, press on to where though, says the first officer. Tolua, says the captain. That's a right turn, says the first officer. Captain, where are we going? One, two, come to the right. Let, let's go to Cali. First of all, we got messed up here, didn't we? He didn't say messed up, by the way. There's another expletive in there. Yeah, says the first officer. Is this a left? Is it a right? Uh, Tolua, Rozo, Romeo. We are descending right now. 2,500 feet per minute into the Andes. And despite what you're thinking, this isn't the captain's first trip to Cali. He had been here 13 times before, yet all those trips were at night. Maybe he's never seen the mountainous terrain before. Now, I want to pause for a moment and unfortunately, in aviation, we just we can't pause and, and, and pull over and say, okay, let's figure this out. But we can ask someone, a controller, maybe it's our co-pilot. We can climb above any hazards and hold while we sort things out. Yet too often, we as pilots look at these options as an admission of failure, unable to humble ourselves to the situation. You must see the situation as it really is. Remember this, okay? Humble ourselves in aviation or aviation will humble you. I want to say that again because it's that important. You must humble yourself in aviation or aviation will humble you. Our story continues. Captain, go direct CLO. How do we get so messed up here? Again, he didn't say messed up. Captain, come to the right right now. Come to the right right now. First officer, yeah, we're in heading select to the right. Captain on the radio. And uh, American uh, 38 miles north of Cali, and you want us to uh, go to Lua and then do the Rozo uh, to uh, the runway, right? To runway 19? Cali approach. Niner 65. You can land runway 19er. You can use runway 19er. What is your altitude and DME from Cali? Okay, we're uh, 37 DME at 10,000 feet. Captain talking uh, on the intercom to his first officer. You're okay. You're in good shape now. Cali approaches, says Roger. Captain, we're heading. Uh, Cali approach steps on him, says, report a 5,000 and uh, final to runway one niner. 
Captain, we're heading in the right direction now. You wanna... Now, as this is all happening, the aircraft is still in a 20-degree right bank. The rate of descent starts decreasing from 2,700 feet per minute as the pitch attitude increases and airspeed decreases. Our altitude now passes through 10,000 feet. Captain, you want to take the 1-9 yet? Come to the right. Come to the right to, uh, to, to Cali for now, the captain says. First officer, who is a gentleman of little words at this point. Okay. Captain, that... that Messed up Tolua. Again, doesn't say messed up. Tolua. I'm not getting it for some reason. You see, uh, okay, now, no, Tolua's all messed up. Okay, yeah, says the first officer. First officer then comes back and says, okay, but I can put it in the box if you want. First officer says, I, I don't want Tolua. Let's just go and get the extended center line of, uh, Captain says, which is Rozo. First officer, Rozo. Captain, why don't we just go direct Rozo then, all right? First officer, okay, let's. Captain, I'll put that in for you. First officer, then finally someone's getting smart about this flying through the mountains at night. Let's get some altimeters out here. We're uh, through 10 now. All right, says the captain. Cali approach, 965 altitude. Captain says 965, 9,000 feet. We are still in a right bank of 20 degrees. It's beginning to decrease though. The flight level change is disengaged and the vertical speed and indicated airspeed modes are engaged. The altitude passes through 8,600 feet. Cali Approach asks, Roger, distance now? Just then, the cockpit area microphone gives the terrain, terrain, pull up, pull up. Pitch attitude, 4.5 degrees, nose up. The roll altitude is 12 degrees to the right. The airspeed is down to 234 knots. The rate of descent is 1,500 feet per minute. The altimeter is 1,880 feet MSL, but the radar altimeter is just 1,400 AGL. The autopilot disengages, and the master warning is activated. The engine EPRs are at 1.0. The captain few choice words that he says that I can't repeat here. The sound of the autopilot disconnect. Captain says, pull up, baby. Sound of the aircraft stick shaker as the pitch attitude increases to 31 degrees. Picture a 31 degree pitch up. The aircraft rolls out of the right turn, reaches 13 degrees to the left bank. The master caution issued as the radar uh, altitude decreased from 500 feet AGL. The EPRs increased to 1.35 as the radar altimeter now decreases to just 109 AGL, airspeed of 187 knots. Landing gear and flaps remain up. First officer, it's okay. Cockpit area microphone, pull up, pull up. Captain, okay, easy does it, easy does it. Again, we're still hearing the sound of the autopilot disconnect warning. The sound of the aircraft stick shaker stops. First officer says, nope. Captain says, up, baby. Sound of the stick shaker starts again and continues until impact. More, more, says the captain. Okay, says the first officer. Up, 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 says the captain. And again, all we hear at the end is that pull up, pull up. And that's the end of our cockpit voice recorder. The NTSB later concluded, and this was all done through simulation, that if the pilots had retracted the speed brakes within one second of starting their escape maneuver, they would have cleared the top of El Delivio, the flood, by a mere 150 feet. American Airlines at the time hadn't included the retraction of speed brakes in its training for such a maneuver. But let me ask you this question. Was it the failure to retract the speed brakes that caused American 965 to crash? No, it was the chain of events that grew over time. The further behind the airplane we fell, the harder and harder it is to get back ahead of that airplane. In this case, we are 230 something knots at some point in this descent. There are mountains on either side. We are confused about what fixes we are going to. 
There is no radar at Cali at the time. The fixes they're asking us for are behind us, yet we failed to speak up and mention that. Maybe our DME was off. We didn't even ever put the right fix in, so who knows if our DME was ever correct. This accident is a, a, a classic case of not only poor CRM, but it's also a classic case of pilots who just kept flying for too long. And I'm not talking about crew rest time. I'm talking about when things start to happen, when links of the chain start to be created, we have to break them. And usually we break them by just let's stop flying. Let's, let's land this airplane. I mean, literally stop flying. I mean, land the airplane safely somewhere. These pilots continue to press on. It's the pressures of a commercial pilot sometimes. You're getting paid to deliver a service. You have to be there. It's, it's the day or two before Christmas. Everyone's expecting you to be there. You're flying through the Andes Mountains in a valley, 14,000-foot peaks on either side of you. You continue to descend. The autopilot breaks you off to the wrong fix because you programmed your FMS wrong to a 90-degree perpendicular to your course towards the mountains. And that's where we ended up, in a very, very remote part of Colombia. As you can imagine, there were no survivors to, um, to such an accident. It was controlled flight into terrain, a, a, a textbook definition of it. And it didn't have to be that way. It started with a breakdown in communication. You could hear uh, the, the tension between the captain and the first officer through this flight. They weren't on the same page. They were behind on their technology. And this translates just as perfectly as it does today. We may not be flying NDBs and everything else like we have done in times past. We're flying GPS approaches now. However, we can still fall behind the airplane. Your lack of programming or your slow programming could cause you to fall behind the airplane. Teaching your students just to hit direct enter enter is doing them a true disservice now, isn't it? We have to teach our students to stay ahead of that airplane. So listen, I hope you will um, join us tomorrow for our live stream. Uh, we'll be recreating the JFK Jr. accident, another chain of events, another um, uh, situation where a pilot just kept flying a little bit too long into worsening weather conditions. I hope you'll share these podcasts, the, our videos with your students. It means the absolute world to us. Thank you as a flight instructor for taking time to better yourself as a flight instructor. If there are more flight instructors like yourself who took the time to better themselves and become better flight instructors, we wouldn't have all these pilot shortages and all these accidents, this flat accent rate that's not growing but not quite shrinking either. We wouldn't have any of those issues if there were more CFIs like yourself out there. Continue to make and create safer, smarter pilots. And I hope we play just a small part in that big success you're going to have with wherever your aviation career takes you and where the careers and hobbies and passions of your students take them as well. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day. We'll see you.